This is Dalio's Principles, a philosophical examination. The unofficial podcast companion for Ray Dalio's book, Principles. This podcast will deeply explore the book and principles. The podcast is hosted by Micah Bays and John Sextro. Micah has a PhD in philosophy and has taught numerous college philosophy courses, including The Meaning of Life, Ethics, and Reason and Argument. John shares his perspective from years of experience trying to live out Ray's principles in his life and work. And you can follow us on Twitter. Micah is at Micah Bays, all one word. And I am at John Sextro, all one word. And now, this week's episode. I'm Micah Bays. I'm John Sextro. We're back again with Dalio's Principles, a philosophical examination. Micah, we're going to be looking at Principle 2.2 today and talking about it here on the show. That principle says, identify and don't tolerate problems. Uh, you know, we're in, we're in the midst of talking about the five-step process. And uh, number two is problems. So that's what we're dealing with here is problems in 2.2. But just to give you, summarize what the five-step process is. Number one is to have goals. We talked about that in 2.1, having clear goals. Now we're moving on to 2.2, identify and don't tolerate problems. After that, you talk about diagnosis, which we'll get to in the next episode, and then design, and then ultimately doing. Go and do uh, the new process that you've designed through your diagnosis right. and For experience Ray, right. problems. Right. And for Ray, right, the whole point of this is to get what you want out of life. He's going to say that following this five-step process will help you with that. Always. <laughs> That's what he's always sharply focused on is helping us get we, what we want out of life. Okay, so Micah, the first sub-principle in here, and I think is a good place to start. And it's odd because um, the last principle, the last sub-principle in 2.2 sort of is a repetition of the overarching, but I think it all ties it together. So we'll save that one obviously till the end. So the first sub principle says view painful problems as potential improvements that are screaming at you. That's pretty insightful. Uh, I was, I was thinking about this as I read it uh, and, and just remembering prior to maybe having, you know, some insights into the book and to these principles that I could have easily seen myself ignoring problems that I was experiencing either because I didn't know what to do about them or I just didn't think that it was important enough for me to, to take action on it or also to be 100% honest with you and with myself. Uh, in some cases I was just, you know, lazy about it and figured, Oh, it'll get better or it's not that bad. You know, lie to myself, say it's not that bad. Um, I think there's something innately in us that <laughs> at times wants to say, it's not that bad, you know, but when it, when you think about it as something that's screaming at you, well, that's a whole different story. Right. Yeah. I mean, immediately, you know, dealing with a problem is not fun. So if you can downplay it, if you can, right, somehow convince yourself that, ah, it's not that, not that bad, not that important to deal with, then you don't have that pain of currently dealing with it. <clears throat> but of course, if it is a real problem, then you're still going to face the repercussions later of not dealing with it. Definitely. And, and what have you, have you ever thought to yourself 
and I, I, um, we, I know we haven't talked about this or thought about this much, but like, how do you know you have a problem? Sometimes it's just obvious, you know, the card won't start. Uh Oh, <laughs> I have a problem, but other things not so obvious. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess presumably, you know, if you have a problem, right, there's some goal in mind, right? There's something that you're wanting to achieve and, um, you know, it doesn't have to be some major goal. Like, you know, maybe we're typically thinking now in the context of this five step process, but, um, right. Just with your starting the car, right. You had a goal of wanting the car to run, right. Probably wanting to get to work or some other place and something happened that you realized, Oh, I'm not going to be able to accomplish what I'd set out to do because my car is not starting. Right. So you know, just a recognition that something is getting in the way of, um, you know, achieving whatever it is, whatever it is your goal is. I think that that's probably at least the be- the best place I can think of to start off in terms of giving uh, maybe sort of a a definition or or some clarity to just what a problem is. It's anything that gets in your way. It's in the way of you living the best life you can or accomplishing the goal that, that you're trying to accomplish. So just starting off there, you know, a big part of this is identifying. So I was just trying to think of some ways we could help people identify what, what their problems are. Michael, we were talking a bit about identifying a problem. And while that's also extremely important in just in terms of recognizing for yourself what a problem is, how might you go about maybe trying to change your perspective to look at the problem differently? Yeah, I think, you know, when Ray talks about, you know, viewing painful problems as potential improvements, and I think that's, the, I think at least kind of the psychological factor here is that maybe it helps motivate you to deal with a problem. Because um, if what you're just focused on is the problem, right, that's a bad thing. That's typically something you just want to avoid unless you have good reason not to. Um, and thinking of them as potential improvements, right? It's kind of a psychological trick in that, okay, now you're, and trick is probably too strong of a word, right? But just a psychological benefit in that now you're focused on what the benefit is of dealing with the problem. So, right, maybe you have a difficult, uh, maybe relationship with a coworker and, you know, so maybe you try and avoid them, try to interact with them as little as possible, but maybe that's causing ineffectiveness at work, right? Because maybe it's someone who you do need to interact with and talk with and um, work with in order to really achieve what you're trying to at work. And if all you do is you focus on, oh, this problem, right? That we don't get along or you know, our um, relationship isn't that great. So I'm, I'm just going to try and avoid that. If you just focus on the difficulty, you might not be as motivated to fix it. But if you think, all right, what if I fixed this problem? What if we actually got past our interpersonal, you know, um, conflict. And let's say we resolved it and we saw what the, you know, benefit would be if you focus on, wow, imagine that we were actually working together well and you start focusing, ah, you know, this really could have a positive impact, impact on our business and so on. And so just by focusing on the good that can be achieved by successfully dealing with the problem, I think that can increase motivation. I like that a lot. You, I like your take on that because you're trying uh, to use, like you said, not really a trick, but just an approach that helps you view the problem as an opportunity, a, a chance to improve rather than, than it 
you know, just, oh, woe is me, I have another problem, which I think in my personal experience was sort of the thing that always took me down uh, when I experienced a problem was that feeling of, oh, damn, I have another problem. And, and why, why are these problems happening to me and nobody else has problems? You know, that whole woe is me sort of thing. Um, so I know that, you know, going on to like the next sub principle here, which, which this feeds right into, that one says not to avoid confronting problems because they are rooted in harsh realities that are unpleasant to look at, which is sort of exactly what I was talking about was, oh, you know, it's, it's going to be hard. I have to, I have to, I have to face reality and, um, you know, maybe learn something about myself. Maybe I'm not so good at something or I need help. Um, or yeah, I've got this difficult relationship with a person that is affecting me and my work and I just can't, I can't work around it. I can't avoid it. Uh, I've really got to, I've got to embrace it and, and try to resolve it. I mean, most of us have probably had those situations. Micah, have you had situations where you, you perceived a problem and felt like you wanted to try to avoid it? Yeah. You know, one thing I think most of us can relate with when we were in college, um, our bank accounts probably didn't look very nice. Um, pretty low. And, uh, Typically, I think the temptation is to not look at your bank account. You don't want to see how low it is because it's going to cause you to feel bad. But of course, you know, if you don't look at your bank account and you just keep spending, presumably eventually, right, if it is pretty low, you're going to start to have some overdrafts. And of course, then the bank's going to fine you for, quote unquote, protecting you from uh, an overdraft. So now you have to pay like 25, 35 bucks, whatever it is. Um, But that's just one scenario, right? Um, that's a mild one, I guess. Well, I don't know. Depends. It, it's, it's a reality. I mean, it's something, it's typical case of avoidance where you're like, whatever it is, I'm going to stick my head in the sand and pretend that I have money in my bank account or pretend that, you know, I, the problem doesn't exist. And just because we, we don't want to have to face reality and deal with it. Okay. Right. And I think, you know, one thing that Ray says, you know, acknowledging your weakness is not the same as surrendering to them. Um, so it's a little bit different here. We're not talking about problems per se, but we're talking about, you know, maybe weaknesses that are causing our problems. And so you might think, well, I don't want to acknowledge my weakness. Because, um, yeah, maybe that's kind of like surrendering to him and saying, well, I'm just going to accept the fact that I have this weakness. Um, as Ray has talked about before, like with, with a weakness, once you've identified it, there's different options for how you deal with it. Um, one, right. You can try and improve in that area. Um, or, um, you might find someone else who's strong in that area to perform, uh, whatever actions are relevant to that weakness, right. Instead of you, right. If someone else is organized and you're scatterbrained, right. You might have someone else do your, do your organization for you. Um, or it could be you might find other workarounds, right? So I've talked about how, you know, sometimes I'm forgetful, so I'll put my keys with my lunch in the fridge, right? That's a workaround. So, um, but yeah, the, the idea here, right, is acknowledging your weakness isn't the same as surrendering to them. Um, the point is you want to acknowledge them so that then you can figure out what to do about them. I really like the tough love that Ray gives us here because he acknowledges that, you know, all of us are going to feel some amount of shame. Anytime we identify that we have a weakness, 
you were talking about, Micah, or, uh, you know, we've experienced a problem and we, and we perceive that we were the cause of the problem. So we, we need to look at why, but the tough love that he gives us is to say, yeah, you might feel a little shame in this, but you've got to get over it. You've got to get over it because number one, everybody experiences problems. There's, there's not an individual alive or on the planet that doesn't experience problems. And it's really unrealistic of us as humans to believe that we're going to get something, we're going to get things right all the time or that we're never going to experience problems. That's, that's what's unrealistic is to think that you'll go through life error free, problem free, weakness free. I mean, that's just not going to be the case. So given that that's our reality, the tough love Ray gives us is to say, get over it, learn that you're, by dealing with it, you're actually going to be better off than if you allow the shame to convince you uh, to you know, exercise this avoidance behavior of sticking your head in the sand or ignoring that problem. So I like the, I like the tough love. I think that that's an important important message from Dalio in this chapter, in this principle. Yeah. I think one thing too, you you know, we might try when we're dealing with weaknesses, the fact that we maybe shy away from dealing with our weaknesses is to think about, well, you might say, why am I, why do I want to hide from my weakness? Why do I not want to deal with it? Um, it's kind of like, you know, sometimes if you're worried or you're afraid, you might say, well, in order to help you get over that fear, you might say, well, why am I, fearful or why am I afraid? Why am I, you know, maybe anxious about something? Cause sometimes when you, you, you just might realize you have this feeling of fear, but then when you start to kind of really work on identifying, okay, well, what is this, what's causing this fear? Right. So, you know, maybe you have a presentation at work that you're anxious about. And if you say, well, okay, I'm worried that it's not going to go well. Well, what happens if it doesn't go well? And of course, you know, this is going to, the answer to that depends on your particular circumstance. But, um, you know, I gave a presentation a few weeks ago and, um, it was kind of a proposal for something we might try at work. I just had to think through, okay, well, what if this presentation doesn't go well? The worst, my presentation, my proposal isn't accepted. Um, you know, nothing else really bad is going to happen as a result of it. Um, and so that kind of helped me kind of mitigate the, you might say, worry or anxiousness that I had about it. So we might do the same thing with dealing with our weaknesses. You know, what, why are we afraid you might say, or hesitant to deal with our weaknesses? Um, and so you might just want to think through those, you know, things for you, you know, what, what reasons it is you think you are afraid of dealing with your weaknesses. Um, and maybe that will help you not be so scared. Okay. Let's talk about the next sub principle here, which says be specific in identifying your problems. And I think we should I think we should probably combine this one Micah with with the next sub principle that says don't mistake a cause of your problem with the real problem. So we've we've got two bits of advice here on on identifying a problem. We talked a little bit before at the beginning of the show about the importance of the identification of that problem and I think these two sub principles are here uh, to help us help us deal with that. So being specific in identifying your problem, that, that seems uh, like solid advice. Try and figure out exactly what the problem is, uh, trying to 
And then, and then the other side of this with don't mistake a cause of the problem with the real problem. Like I said, with the car, you know, the car wouldn't start. Well, eh, I mean, that might be a problem, but what is, what's the, what's really, what is the car not starting preventing you from accomplishing? Going back to your definition of, of what a problem is, is it something that's blocking you from doing something? So what I really need to be able to do is get somewhere, let's say to work. So that's my problem is that I can't efficiently get to work. How do I solve that problem? Do I fix the car? Do I get a lift? Do I take an Uber? Do I, you know, do something else? So what, what specifically is the problem without getting too tied up in the cause, different causes that could be contributing to the problem? Right. Um, and just to kind of add support to this idea that, you know, it's important to you know, identify what your problems are and be specific. Uh, so I was listening to a podcast a few weeks ago by McKinsey. It's a consulting company. Uh, if you haven't heard of them before, it's been, they've been in the news recently because of uh, the presidential candidate, Pete, and I'm going to butcher his last name, Buttigieg. Is that pretty good job? I think that was a good job. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, so he had worked for McKinsey in the past. And anyways, there's some, some people had some, some concerns about that. Uh, but they're a well-known consulting firm. And in the podcast, they talked about how it's um, rather frequent that you will, there's some problem that they're trying to address and they have multiple stakeholders, multiple people from, you might say multiple from different, maybe organizations or different um, departments within an organization. And when they come together to have the meeting, what they quickly realize is that people have different views about what the real problem is. Um, And so of course, if you're going to get all these people together to resolve a problem, you've got to get them on the same page first. Um, They also said one of the problems with uh, what they said were younger, bright people um, frequently they'll only half identify a problem and then they'll just rush off to go and fix it without realizing that they've only identified half of the problem. And so they were certainly speaking to the importance of really spending time to nail down what the true problem is. Cause you know, if you implement a solution for what's only half of the problem, you of course left with at least half of the problem. And if, you know, if you don't account for the whole problem, maybe your solution actually makes it worse. Um, so, you know, that just speaks to this, the importance of identifying a problem. Um, I think, I think there's a message here that, that we could that we could sort of tack on to that advice that they gave in the podcast that you listened to, Micah. That is, slow down a little bit uh, with the problem identification. Spend some real time with the problem and and sort of hold that problem in space and look at it from one angle. Look at it from another angle. Consider, you know, what is it that what's what is how is this really affecting me? What is what is the real the real real deep source? Here of this problem, and we'll talk. We talk through, you know, in other principles, how to evaluate that in a in a meaningful way. But just to to look, sort of, almost pluck that problem out of space and look at it from those different angles, sort of like maybe a a, a doctor or a surgeon would look at a a disease or an illness and think about, you know, what's what's going on here? What are all the factors that are impacting in this case? Right. Yeah. You know, one of the things. Um. I've started using, um, and John, you know about this because I've talked about it with you a fair amount, but uh, I'm starting to use a 
technique called decision mapping. Um, yeah, I, I facilitate um, team discussions. And so I've started using this process called decision mapping. Some call it argument mapping. Uh, but the idea is you'll put on uh, either software or you could do it on the whiteboard, but you'll actually list out, you know, what the problem is. And um, then you'll list out the various solutions and you'll try and create a very logical um, uh, diagram that shows what kind of logical support you have for the various solutions. Well, in doing this, right, just in writing down what you see as the, you, know, you start off by writing down what you see as the problem. And so I was doing this with a team that I facilitate for a few weeks ago. And what we found was once we put something up on the board, as far as what the problem was, people realized there were two interpretations of what the problem was, of what that meant. And so that really helps because then it clarified the discussion. Um, that way we didn't have people proposing solutions to essentially two different interpretations of the problem. Um, and so that's just an example of how it can slow down you know, how, sorry, that's an example of how slowing down can actually improve your decision-making, your problem-identifying process. I think you also expose um, the fact that when when there are other people involved, that you're going to have, you're, you're going to have people who are viewing it differently, or they're viewing it through a different lens, or they're seeing that, you know, what they see is not what you see. So getting agreement like you like you've done like you've used decision mapping to help to accomplish where you can you can clarify for everyone this is the thing we're talking about the you know let's shine a bright light onto this one particular thing this is exactly what we're talking about so you make sure that everyone is is talking about the same thing before you start looking more deeply at the problem to figure out what to do about it right so it's important to get everybody on the same page yep in terms of what the problem is we operate the podcast on the value for value model we're entirely listener supported if you enjoy the podcast and find value in the information and entertainment you receive visit our website at daliosprinciples.fireside.fm slash donate you can also help us grow by promoting us on social media so get out there and tell all of your friends about the podcast and help us spread the word. And now back to the show. Micah, when we're considering, hey, is this a cause or is this an actual problem? What might you do? What have you thought about doing in order to tease those two things apart, cause from problem? Yeah. So I think this is tied to what I mentioned earlier as far as you know, a problem is, you might say, essentially tied to value. So a problem is... um you know, there's some value that you're wanting to achieve or maybe some uh, disvalue or some, you might say some badness that you're wanting to avoid. Um, and it's the, you might say, inability to achieve that value that that counts as the problem. Um, so, um, you know, Ray mentions, you know, I can't get enough sleep isn't the real problem. Um, that might be the cause of a problem. So one is, right, if I don't get enough sleep. So I think maybe the way you want to do this is when you think something is a problem, ask yourself what's bad about it. Um, and if you can provide an answer about what's bad about it, then that tells you that that thing isn't 
the real problem, right? Whatever you then identify as what's bad about it, that bad thing, that's, you might say, the real problem. Yeah, so, if I heard somebody say, I can't get enough sleep, I might say back to them, maybe a little sarcastically, so what? Right. Like, yep. Who, who yep. can? You know, well, okay, well, what do you mean by that? What? So what's, what's the what problem is, what's, with it? What's really the problem? What? How does that impact you? Right. So, I mean, one, it could just be, look, I feel terrible all day, right? If I only have two hours of sleep, I go through all day tired and it makes me feel bad. I just don't like that feeling. I don't want that. Well, so um, what? I mean, again, it's sort of a, a so what, right? How, okay. So you, you don't feel good. You, you know. So, I mean, I would say to me, that would be a problem, right? To me, that's a thing of value, right? Or of disvalue, right? Um, and that's something that is worth, you know, avoiding, right? If it's bad, if I feel bad in and of itself, I think that's a thing that's worth trying to prevent. <laughs> um, so that's given that I can say, well, that's what's bad. And I don't have to reference anything else. That tells me that's the thing that's the problem, right? I feel bad. Or, right, it could be there's two things going on from not getting enough sleep. Not only do I feel bad, which is a problem, but I'm ineffective at work, right? I make mistakes. I can't think clearly. Those could be other problems as well. Um, but now if you say, well, why is that a problem that you know, you're ineffective at work? I say, well, I'm getting threatened to get fired. Right. 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 Um, now you can actually play this a little farther along. It's like it's the whole, well, why do you care about getting fired? And then it's like, well, cause then I won't have any money. And well, then why do you care about that? Um, and you can play this along, right. Until you say, well, then I'll have food to feed my family. And presumably, you know, your reason might stop there and say, that's the real bad thing. Um, and so some people might complain, Oh, look, this is just kind of a philosophical game here of just, keep asking, you know, what's the problem? But I, I, I think the value here is that it helps you identify what is it you really care about? What's your real goal? And then that helps put in perspective this, I can't get enough sleep to see, okay, that's a problem because ultimately what I want is to feed my family. I don't think it's too over the, I don't think it's too over the top to go that far in there in your thinking. I think you have to go you have to go past the point where the problem is occurring or where you might think the problem is occurring so that you can really tell at what level in, in, in the hierarchy that, that this is playing in. And uh, in this case, you know, my work life and how it impacts my overall health and wellness. I think you have to go through some of those steps to think, okay, well, I need food. I need I need housing. Okay, I can't not need those things. So let's go back up that hierarchy, back up that chain a little bit and see like where should I fix this at? And it's part of, that's part of that problem identification process is to figure out where do, where do I need to fix it? Mm-hmm. Cuz there there could be other solutions. I mean the the obvious one in this case might be okay, get more sleep. But you know, it's not always that obvious that that's the that the thing that you feel the cause of i can't i'm not sleeping enough is going to also be the solution sometimes it might be maybe you need um to take more breaks at work rather than get more sleep or um you know you ha- you need to have a half hour massage every day 
<laughs> to get rid of that bad feeling that you have. Right. But yeah, if you might say my real problem is the ineffectiveness at work, right? There's other ways perhaps to um, improve your effectiveness at work. Let's say there's something, there's nothing you can do about getting more sleep. Seems unusual. seems unlikely. There probably is. But let's just say for sake of argument, you can't. Then you might think, okay, well, given the amount of sleep I get, is there something else I can do to increase my effectiveness? Right. And so it might be, okay, maybe I need to just take a walk every so often, right? Get the blood flowing, um, get my brain running a little bit better again. Um, so. Yeah. Cause then you have to start asking yourself all these questions about, and again, this gets in, this gets into the next, the next principle, which is diagnosing, but figuring out what is causing me to ultimately have this problem because it may not just, the answer may not just be get more sleep. It may be more involved, more complicated than that because of all kinds of other factors that are at play. You know, like maybe I just, I have maximized uh, or optimized my life to the point where I've set myself up to get the maximum number of hours of sleep that I can. And there's just no way for me to squeeze any more blood from the, the rock from the stone, you know, so I've got to think of other ways to try to solve it or to change my life. Right. But again, we'll, we'll get into that when we talk about diagnosing in future on a future podcast. Yeah. And you know, just another maybe example, just, I find it helpful to have kind of some concrete examples and, you know, one of the, you know, one of the teams I facilitate for, um, you know, just this week, actually, um, they had talked about, they initially identified a problem that, right. So we're a software, they're a software team. And, um, of course, software teams typically deal with bugs in the software, things in the software that aren't working quite right um, or not right at all. Um, but the initially stated problem was that there was a badly written explanation. They were getting badly written explanations of what the bug was. So that was the, ident- the original stated problem. But of course, there's a question of, well, is that the problem or is that a cause of a problem? And so. Uh, in discussing it, someone else mentioned, well, actually, the real problem is that now it's really time-consuming to identify and fix the bug, right? Because it's poorly, the the explanation of the bug is poorly written. Um, and now I actually think, so that's where they settled on what the problem was. I think if I had pushed them, maybe they would have gotten to this. It seems like the real problem is that there's loss of value delivered to the customer, right? Because we're taking more time to deliver this bug, you know, to fix, identify and fix this bug, that's less time we have for other things. And so that's less value that we can deliver to the customer, which you know, software development teams, that's our primary goal is to deliver value to the customer. Um, and so that's just another example of mistaking a cause for a problem, right? There was the uh, fact that we had poorly written explanations of the bug. That was a cause of not being able to deliver as much value to the customer. So again, just another example for people to see what that might look like in identifying a cause and identifying a problem. And so another side of of the problem identification is also being able to distinguish big problems from small problems. In fact, that's the the next sub principle is to distinguish big problems from small ones. And I think this is it's important to say that it's not always for the sake of saying, "Hey, I'm only going to." address the big problems, uh, but that you should categorize them into what are the big problems and what are the small problems. 
And now how you decide to differentiate what is big and what is small might be unique to everyone uh, individually, but I would think that you would, you would categorize them by the impact that they're having towards your life. So there may be things that are annoyances. They're, they're having a small amount of impact on your ability to accomplish your goals. And then there are ones that are having much larger impact to your ability to accomplish your goals. I think what one thing that you have to be careful of here, Micah, is the death by a thousand cuts syndrome where you, you know, you've just, you're, you're fixing all of the big problems, but there's a whole lot (laughs) of really little problems that are all compounding on top of one another and are in, in the grand scheme of things more impactful than, than any other single big problem. Right. I think, um, I mean, ultimately, right. I think what we want to do is maximize, you know, overall value that we're getting out of things. Um, I think the reason, you know, we typically don't deal with small problems is just that, well, look, there are bigger problems and any time I spend on a small problem is less time I have to uh, work on those big problems. The reason for not dealing with the small problem isn't that it's not a problem. It's just that your overall cost benefit analysis is going to be, well, you're not going to get as much return on your investment as far as your time into in dealing with that problem as you would in dealing with the big problems. I mean, if you go and get all the big problems taken care of, right now you can go and work on your small problems. Great. Um, and now of course, Ray also does say you do want to spend enough time with your small problems just to make sure that they are not a symptom of a larger problem. Right. So um, not a business example, but right. Think about if you notice water dripping from the top of your ceiling, you might say, eh, not a small problem. Or, That's just a small problem. It's just a little water. It doesn't really bother me all that much. I can ignore it. But of course, right, <laughs> very likely it's a sign of a bigger water leak that's going to be a really big problem pretty soon. And so you'd want to deal with that, right? Yeah, well, I think that's a crazy example <laughs> just because uh, any amount of water leaking seems to me like a catastrophe. Well, that's because you're immediately moving to well, what's the real cause of this, right? If you if you're just dealing with the problem of oh, water occasionally hits me on the face and that's annoying, right? That's a small problem. But you're thinking, wait, no, there's something bigger going on, right? So yeah, so it, it's small and maybe in the observability of it, maybe in, in the initial, just what's the impact to me? But as you consider it further, you realize, oh, wait a second, this is a much larger problem than I was giving credit to it for right. being. Yes. Uh, yeah. And I, I like that. I, I also think that there's big problems don't always have um, complex solutions or the uh, uh, require a large effort to solve them. Just like small problems don't, aren't always easy to solve. And so that's, that somehow has to figure into your analysis of, is it a big problem? Is it a small problem? Is what is it going to take in order to really fix that problem? Right. Yeah. And, you know, and maybe a, another like more businessy example um, of a small problem. Something that seems like a small problem is, you know, maybe you notice people's attitudes at work, right? The people on your team, uh, you know, lately this doesn't seem like we've had maybe as much camaraderie, much as much, you know, people have been a little bit in, you know, bad at, they've had more bad attitudes than normal. And you might be tempted to just go, ah, 
not a big deal. You know, maybe it's just cyclical thing, right? They just happen to be in a bad mood, but right. It could be a sign of something bigger, right? Where maybe, you know, there are bigger interpersonal conflicts or maybe there's people are disgruntled about, you know, maybe some business decisions that have been made from higher up. And it's actually a sign of bigger problems, right? And that's where, again, you, you're going to have to do some kind of guesswork on how much time to put into identifying how important or how big the problem really is. But nonetheless, that's a, a scenario where it could be helpful to address what seems to be a little problem. Well, I think that's a good segue to the, the last sub-principle here because what you've done is maybe identified a problem and that people are grumpy a lot lately. So now are you going to tolerate it? Um, raise advices. Once you've identified that problem, don't tolerate it. So rather than just sweep that under the rug and, and think, oh, maybe maybe everyone is just having, a, you know, it's it's about to be the holidays or it's a rough time at work or... Uh, you know, rather than just allowing it to sort of fester, which something like that is an example of something just like with the leaky, the water leaking in the ceiling, it's like those things can really fester and turn into humongous problems. Right. So when you see something that you think needs fixing, get into the middle of it, don't tolerate it and root it out. Right. Yeah. You know, this was one area where I just have a question to me is maybe a lack of clarity on Ray's part or just a misunderstanding on my part. John, you can correct me if I just misunderstood Ray here, but right on the one hand, Ray says, um, you know, you you can have big problems and little problems and sometimes you just don't address the little problems. But then here, right, he's saying don't tolerate problems, right? And this seems to be a blanket statement. Don't tolerate any problems. And so that seems like a conflict um, in advice. So here's my best take on what I think he's trying to say. Um, perhaps what he's saying is once you've identified a problem that you want to fix, don't tolerate that problem anymore, right? Um, so for example, if um, you want to fix the uh, bad attitudes on your team, um, don't tolerate it. Now, of course, what that looks like doesn't necessarily mean, hey, everybody, you're going to smile today. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's how he would advise handling it. That's not how I would advise handling it for sure. Um, that reminds me of the old, uh, the old saying that the beatings will continue until morale improves. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, however you've decided to deal with this problem, right? Don't think, Oh, eh, everyone's in a bad mood. Who cares? You know, once you've identified that, no, this is something I want to fix. Then, you know, you really set yourself to fixing that problem. Um, now maybe it's a talking with them or it's maybe it's a, you know, changing things around in the work environment to improve their attitude, that kind of thing. Um, I think that's maybe what Ray is getting at. I think, I think you're exactly right. And the way, um, the mental model I sort of use on this is, is one that I also, that also just so happens to be a thing that we use in the, in, in our work lives, Mike, and, and, and many people I think use in their work lives as well. And it's a matter of prioritization. And so once you, if you have multiple problems, which many of us have and, and do frequently uh, have multiple problems, I think you have to sit there with your problems a little bit and do some work with them and say, how do I prioritize these problems? Assuming you have more than one and 
okay, here, here are the problems that I think I have. What's the impact? What's it going to take me uh, to fix them? And so you can, and by doing that, um, the big and small problem, I really think what you're doing there is sort of prioritizing them because everything is relative. Um, the size of the problem is relative to the other problems that are around it. And so you're sitting there and you're prioritizing these in a relative way. And then you're figuring out, yeah, okay, I've got some problems. I've now identified them. I'm just going to, but here's the way I'm going to tackle this. I'm going to start with the, the biggest, ugliest, hairiest one that's has the worst impact on me. It may not be that it's the, the hairiest, but it may be just be that it just has the biggest bad impact on my life or on my work. So that's going to, you know, there, I'm going to say, I'm not just going to sweep that under the rug. I've, even though it's probably going to be hard to deal with, it's, um, you know, it's going to wear me out. It's not easy to solve. I've got to face reality and I've got to start there rather than jumping way down my list to maybe something that's easier to solve and saying, well, I'm just going to solve this one. Right. Well, you know, actually, I'll push back a little bit on this um, just because, so you're right. So presumably the the big hairy one, right, that's uh, got the highest payoff as far as, you know, if it gets fixed, you're going to do much better, right? You're going to get more value or whatever. There's also this thing about, you know, humans, right, where we have a certain psychology. And so I have heard some advice that um, I think Adam Grant is maybe someone who's talked about this. But start off with small wins. Um, you know, do something easy, right? Initially, that just makes you feel like, okay, I got a little bit of success, and then you feel like, oh, okay, now I can accomplish more. So, um, it's still with an eye towards what's going to maximize your improvement. Um, but it's just that knowing that you know humans need motivation, maybe it helps to start off with a small win first. Not necessarily; it just depends. That's I, I'm good with that entirely. I, I think there's many ways you can decide to approach it, um, but the important part it, the important part about it all is that you're not tolerating it. You're not just allowing things to fester. You're getting started in some way and fixing. Right. And you know what I talked about. That's you know someone whose strategy is still, hey, I want to do, I want to maximize my improvement. I think what you were talking about is you know where someone's like. Oh, I don't want to deal with that difficult one. I'm just going to, you know, mess with this little easy one just because, you know, I'm lazy, right? That's a different kind of approach. Completely different approach. Okay. So we've covered uh, principle 2.2, Micah, identify and don't tolerate problems. Thanks, John. Thanks, Micah. Thanks for listening. Let's keep the conversation going on our subreddit, Dalio's Principles at reddit.com. The subreddit is Dalio's Principles, all one word. Join us to interact with a community of like-minded individuals.